What's up and welcome to a, another new episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, my name is Steve. My name is John. And I'm Ron. And that is all of us. And uh, <laughs> so we're here. We're all here. That's good. It's a good start. And someone has uh, got their text message tone on. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, guess who that is? Is that you, Ronald? <laughs> unfortunately, my, my better half is not here yet, so I'm trying to like watch out for her just walking in because she, I'll tell her that I'm doing a podcast. She'll say okay, and then she'll come in and still talk. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is crazy to me. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah, I'll be good. It won't it won't sound again. That's great. But yeah, this is uh, this is going to be quite an interesting episode. It's interesting that you mention your your lady love Ronald because Erin actually is somewhat featured in this episode in the form of some questions that she sent us. So, oh, it's pretty cool. Um, this is going to be this is going to be our name droppiest episode uh, in a long time, as far as people that we know that listen to the show. Some of which we just sort of shook them until they asked us questions. But mm-hmm. we got some pretty interesting interesting uh, topics coming in tonight. And that is what this episode is. This is what we told you last time. This is the episode where we basically will try to hit as many topics uh, that were dictated by other people as possible. And I have a list here that I, there's no way we'll get to them all. But there's a little bit of an arc to the episode that I think uh, might make sense. Mm, cool. Cool. But what's been up with you guys? I don't know. Not a lot, man. Just same old, same old. Just... Work a lurk and then come back and hang out with my baby and my wife and then just do it again. <laughs> right. Repeat cycle. I've seen a couple movies, uh, you know, not a whole lot since we last spoke. Um, watched a couple TV shows, binged a couple. I don't know, just trying to keep myself busy. How about you? Um, I haven't seen any movies since we spoke, but I th- I'm about to see a bunch of them. I'm sure that in the next few days, I'm about to see uh, the Strangers sequel, and I'm about to see A Wrinkle in Time, and I still want to go see the Ardman movie, The Early Man. I believe oh, yeah. it's called just because yeah. just because I like their their stuff. Sure. What about you, Ronald? I uh, haven't really seen any movies. I've been watching some TV shows. Um, really, just kind of sticking to TV shows. I started up. A show that I stopped that I stopped on the first episode maybe four times. Um, I never thought I'd ever say this in my life, but I'm I'm kind of in the middle of the first season of Orange Is a New Black. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd ever say it. Yeah, why? So, why? Um, it's a pretty popular show. I, I hate Gingy Cohen. She is racist. I'm, I'm, I don't say, how often do I drop that person as racist? I actually don't disagree with you in some ways. I mean, I, I think that show plays around with racial politics in a way that feels very uh, uh, carefree to careless, maybe right, at times. Right, right, um, right. You're talking about weeds or Orange is the New Black? Oh, both. I'm talking about Orange is the New Black. Uh, okay. I'm talking about both of them. I never watched weeds. The way she writes black characters. Just uh, unbearable. But I, I did, but. The reason I started to back up is um, is that somebody wrote an article about how um, there's like a Trojan horse sort of thing that people that people like Gingy Cohen do. We're like, so apparently the story goes that Gingy couldn't sell a story about uh just black inmates, so she used this main character and then opened up this world 
that kind of exists. And I thought that was interesting. You know, I, I kind of heard like just see it, but I never really heard somebody kind of explain that she'd used she'd used the form to kind of tell these stories about these people that normally wouldn't have a story told about them. It's based on the book by the woman who Piper is based on, right? So it is a little bit based on the story of the very privileged character that comes in. It was a frequent comment I heard within the first couple seasons that the show had kind of been stolen from her, both as an actress and as a character, uh, by a lot of these secondary characters. And I don't know that I ever really fell in love with, with anyone fully. Have you kept up with that show, Steve? I think I've gotten through season three, or at least partially through season three, and kind of just faded out. Right, right, right. But yeah, let us know what you think, Ronald. Yeah, definitely will. I definitely will. Well, let's uh, let's dive into some of these questions because actually one of the other things I think that might have come up uh, as a topic would have just been that the Oscars came and went since we last spoke, and that might be worth talking about. And we have a couple of questions that they kind of get at the Oscars or just reactions mm-hmm. to the Oscars. So I'm going to kind of hit you with both of those questions. Andrew Uchenik wrote, uh, what was the real best picture of 2017 and why was it Blade Runner 2049? <laughs> Um, and Tim Eller, and you're going to hear Tim Eller's name a lot because he, he hit on a lot of the topics that other people hit on. So I will probably be mentioning Tim Eller in, in concert with other, uh, other questions throughout the night. But, um, Tim Eller said, Jordan Peele winning the Oscar for best original screenplay is a huge deal. Uh, how do you think this will change the industry, specifically the horror and suspense genres? Both of those questions seem to be getting at to me this sort of, um, genre films and the Oscars and what's up with that. Uh, well, I thought that uh, <clears throat> Get Out should should have been the movie, the best picture, obviously. Um, Jordan Peele winning that award brings some legitimacy to a genre that I didn't think had any legitimacy up until I kind of met you guys and you kind of explained, not even to explain to me, kind of it showed me through some movies what the genre could be. And I think part of what bothers me about all those things, the distinction of something having a, a, a genre, is that people often um, kind of box that thing in. So I, I'll give you an example. So I've heard people say that they wanted to see Denzel Washington in a legitimate comedy. But if you think about some of the movies that he's been in, he's been comedic relief even in these like thrillers and things like that, he has comedic timing. Tom Cruise has comedic timing. Brad Pitt has comedic timing. Angelina Jolie has comedic timing. Um, there are actors and actresses uh, who have incredible comedic timing who just don't, they aren't in comedies. And I think that the same could be said for like horror. Horror has some really deep heavy elements depending on i could give you know we you, you guys could name some movies i can name some movies that have some deep some some root to it like some some depth to it and I, and just because it's a horror film doesn't mean it should be discounted as not a legitimate film and i think that this although it's considered like a social horror you know a social thriller or whatever um does give some legitimacy to the idea that something could come along in the next couple of years that if it's tight enough and and um appeals to the academy enough it, it could at least be nominated for best picture and i like that idea especially with you know somebody a voice like jordan peele so 
Steve? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything Ronald just said. I mean, I, 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 I do believe that Get Out should have won Best Picture. That was definitely, you know, my... If I was a member of any branch of the Academy, it would have absolutely been my choice. And, uh, you know, like we had on our few episodes back, it was definitely my favorite movie of last year for many reasons. But um, mainly because I think it did a really great job of just kind of straddling a lot of these boundaries that Ronald's mentioning um, and kind of keeping a foot in each different, you know, genre. You know, whether you're talking horror, thriller, drama, comedy, you know, there's a lot of elements in that movie that work really well and it's balanced nicely. So, I mean, I think, you know... While it didn't win, um, you know, to kind of bring the conversation to Blade Runner. I mean, I think the the big thing going against Blade Runner is just kind of like uh, just just like the original film. It's kind of like it. It's not just a sci-fi genre film. It's kind of an art film in some ways, and it's kind of a lot to ingest. And while you know the movie didn't make an as big of an impact like at the box office, you know, critics definitely were into the movie. Um, but I think you know for a movie like that to kind of get through, I think. It kind of like Get Out showed. It, it kind of has to have both of those elements. Um, just like, you know, talking this year, the early conversations about Black Panther making a run next year is is legitimate because it's a movie that is a great movie that also is making critics and box office, you know, waves. And for genre films to really kind of get noticed a lot of times, especially by Academy members, it, it, it kind of has to check those boxes off if you go back and you know, talk about like Silence of the Lambs. These are, you know, that was the last kind of like real genre horror film to kind of really make an impact at the Oscars and win a lot of the major categories. And then that was a film that was a, you know, critical and commercial success. So that's kind of going against these films. And while Blade Runner made some money, you know, I don't know what it was global take was, but I mean, I don't think it kind of had that stamp that probably would have helped it into conversations about best picture that a film like Get Out benefited from, um, especially based off of its budget and what it ended up making globally. Um, but in general, though, I kind of feel like Jordan Peele's win for original screenplay and just the you know the four nominees that the film had and seeing films like even having Blade Runner in a number of categories and winning a couple of awards is, is progress. And whether you really like Shape of Water winning Best Picture or not, it's still, while, while in some conversation you would say it kind of feels like a classic Oscar pick, I mean, when you really kind of break down that movie, it's it's not really. I mean, like, it checks off boxes about, you know, the Academy loving movies about cinema and, you know, that, that kind of hits a lot of those bullet points. But, you know, this is a filmmaker who really kind of is able to really make the movies that he wants to make and their genre films, whether... Um, they kind of scream it like films like Get Out or Blade Runner do. Um, Shape of Water, I think, is also still progress for, you know, the kind of films that are getting nominated and the kind of films that are winning awards. Yeah, it says a lot about this year that that the movie about the woman having the, the erotic adventures with a fish man is the safe choice, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. In a different year, that would have been the oddball movie that you would have thought didn't have a chance. Right, absolutely. And I think there's a longer conversation to have about Guillermo del Toro and his career, and, and I really do think he's loved more as a man than he is uh, as a director. Right, right. But I like the way this legitimizes him or validates a kind of passion project that he obviously put a lot of energy into and this feels very personal to him. I, you know, I had mixed feelings about the film as, as it seems like most people I know did. Yeah. As far as Blade Runner 2049, yeah, I felt like what we learned about Blade Runner was that it was much more of a niche item 
all along, even though it does have this cult that has grown over the decades. It almost didn't surprise me that Blade Runner kind of slipped through the cracks in terms of awards season. It is a beautiful film. Yeah. Anyway, well, I guess we'll move on to another question then. This is uh, our friend of the show, Jason Conti. He's been on the show, and as we point out, he's also actually friends with all of us. Uh, he gave a question that actually had a rebuttal from another true friend of the show. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you what Conti asked, and then I'm going to explain to you what Bob Rose said as a comment on this question. Cool. Jason Conti asked, MFK, Michael Keaton Batman, Christian Bale Batman, or Ben Affleck Batman? Mm. And Bob Rose says that he'll stop listening to Movie Schmovie if this question isn't answered correctly. And by correctly, he means according to his opinion alone. And he specified me. He singled me out <laughs> in that threat. So... I'm just going to go ahead and say that the way I'm answering this question, I think this is how I feel, but I also think this is how how Bob Rose would feel. So I'm kind of trying to predict what Bob Rose thinks because I'd like to keep him as a listener, especially because he's got questions later in the episode. So if he stops listening, he's missing out. But what are your thoughts on that that question? MFK, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck uh, as Batman. Man. <laughs> I'll go ahead and say, I guess, that I think Bob Rose and I have in our hearts that Michael Keaton is still the best, uh, that Christian Bale would be second best, and that Ben Affleck would be the least best of the Batman. So how does that fit into FMK? I would marry Keaton, fuck Bale, I guess kill, kill Affleck. I mean, I liked Affleck, but I mean, he hasn't done enough to get into the other categories for me. I think I would say the same thing. I think that Keaton's the guy you settle down with. Bale, you don't want to put up with that guy for more than just a night, but he's probably fun for a night. Yeah. What about you, Ronald? Oh, uh, fuck Keaton, marry Bale, kill Affleck. Mm. Affleck. You're marrying the broody Batman. Yep. Incoherent. Uh, <laughs> fight scene shot very closely. I love it. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I'm Batman. I love that. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a pretty good question. This is also a Jason Conti question. He says, a tape surfaces on TMZ of you just having an absolutely off-the-rails freakout on an innocent bystander about something movie-related. What was the topic? Oof, mm. man. You're going off on somebody, and you can't control it, you know? What was the, the movie-related thing? Is this, is it, does this have to be title-specific? Um, I don't think so. I would say you could be general simply because I wouldn't expect you to be able to pull something right now, you know, well, with all the all the topics this could be. I think in general, if I'm going off on somebody in public and it has anything to do with movies, it's probably because they were talking during the movie that I was watching at a movie theater. Good answer. Hmm. That's a good one. Uh, I'd probably say somebody saying that Wolf of Wall Street is their absolute favorite movie. That'd probably be one. <laughs> I don't hate that movie, by the way, when I say that. I'm, I just will bother me if somebody says that that's their favorite movie of all time. That's all. I think for me, if I were to finally lose it, it would probably be somebody nitpicking things about a movie that show that they were never there for that movie in the first place or that show that they don't understand that genre or like th that they're never going to like a Western or a horror film or a or a war movie, or an animated film, or whatever it is. You know, when people say something that reduces a movie, when they're like, if I wanted to watch stupid animals talking to each other, I could just watch that on a cartoon on Saturday morning. I don't need to go to the theater. And you're like, but Zootopia's a good movie. Anytime people say stuff about a genre that shows that they just don't understand anything about it, and yet they're judging it, I think that would be the thing that I would finally flip out. That, that, that That's like half of a, a movie-going experience. Like, half the time I feel like I go to see a movie, you could probably pull somebody like that out of the 
out of the crowd as they're walking out of the theater. <laughs> Richard Lewis used to have a great joke about taking a date to go see E.T., and that the part where he knew it wasn't going to go well with this woman because the part where they flew in front of the moon, she said, oh, I'm so sure. <laughs> and I always think of that that as like, that's the uber version of that reaction. The person who's just not going to bend. And I mean, you know, fine, it's fine to have opinions, but it's weird to act like a genre is bad when you don't get it. You know? Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, Ronald, you, you, you say you don't hate Wolf of Wall Street, but it seems that you turned on it at a certain point. I think that when we first saw it, you liked uh, it, and I feel like every time since then that it's come I, up, it's, 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 it seems to occupy a place of hatred in your heart. I don't know why. I can't figure out exactly why. I think it's just because people were... I, I've been having conversations, and people were acting like it was the best thing they had ever seen. But you know what? Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but for some reason that opinion in particular irritates the shit out of me. <laughs> All right, so here's here's another question from Jason Conti in the Conti Cluster. Wow. If Movie Schmovie was a horror movie, which one of you would be the last girl or the final girl, as the trope goes? <laughs> I, I think I think me, because I will have forgotten that we were meeting up at a particular place. Um <laughs> And then I would have, and then I would have remembered, and you guys would have been killed, and <laughs> I would have had to avenge your deaths. <laughs> so that's why. I that's a, that's a good idea. That that could be that could very well happen. For some reason, that question makes me wonder, like, what era are we talking about? Because I kind of think if it were the 80s, no way would Ronald live past the first 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. It'd be, it'd be the credits. I'd... I want to be in a horror movie so bad. You do? I do, so bad. I've always wanted to be. What would you want to do? Would you want a big part, or would you just want to be in a bit role, and would you want a horrible death? Would that be the most fun thing for you? Oof, man, I don't know. I don't I, I don't know that I would be prepared to die. I'd like to, I'd like a fighting chance, maybe like a... I wouldn't know, or I don't know, like... Uh, like 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 an un, an undetermined outcome, like just drop me in it and let me see if I can survive this thing. <laughs> I'm pretty confident, but I mean, I'd probably die. There's a good chance I'd die immediately. I don't know. You want to actually be in a horror situation is what you're saying. <laughs> I think I think that's what I'm getting at. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you're ready. You're ready for something I'm not ready for. Um, <laughs> I hope that never happens. Um, here's a here's a kind of an interesting question. I, I, most inappropriate emotional response you've ever had in a movie. This is also Jason Conti. Unappropriate emotional response. Yeah, I don't know if he means, like, disproportionate to the movie, like if you got really upset in the middle of a movie that other people weren't, or if you were, oh, if man. you laughed at something horrible or something like that. <clears throat> oh, man, I got I got mine. Let me just make sure I have the right movie. I'm pretty sure it's called, um, oh, is it called Safe House? Anyway, I remember doing the screening for that movie, at Safe Haven, Safe Haven. With uh, with Julianne Huff, Josh Demel, and Colby Smolders, but I remember seeing that movie with friend of the show Lauren, and at the screening for it, it's like it's it's a horrible film, but there's like a really crazy twist in the movie, and I said that twist out loud as a joke because at the point of the film I was like so annoyed by it and like just laughing at it, and when the thing I was joking about actually was the the twist in the movie. I just remember laughing out loud in the middle of this movie that a lot of people were like emotionally reacting to with like shock and tears. And I and Lauren and I were just like laughing because I had just called this like a minute before and it was and, it, and I was right. But I was not I was like completely joking. And 
it was awkward because people around me kind of looked at me like I was an asshole. And I kind of was in that moment. But um, it was one of those moments where I thought I was like being as ridiculous as possible because of how much I was not enjoying that movie. And, and they did not disappoint me because my guess as a complete joke was the actual turn for the film. And it was uh, it was really, really funny to me but not to many people in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) I've had times where I was trying not to rock the seat so that my son won't notice me crying at some weird thing, but I can't remember (laughs) a specific incident. But I guess I would think of a time similar to the moment you mentioned, Steve. There was a screening I went to with some friends when I was in high school, I guess, or maybe, I don't know what year it was, that uh, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie came out. And... um, it was one of the only times I can remember going to a movie and just utterly disrespecting the film in like a crowded screening, you know, Yeah. Uh, where I just had sort of decided that the whole crowd agreed that the movie sucked, you know, <laughs> and at some point in the middle of the movie, the guy in front of us stood up and shouted at us. And, and, and I, I just remember feeling really like, oh, kind of crummy and also kind of embarrassed the way you do when you're a smart ass and someone, you know, a Marine stands up and <laughs> shouts at you. Um, and it, it had this feeling of sort of being like, oh man, I, I was sitting here thinking everyone was here to kind of make fun of this movie and they weren't. And you know, right. that was, that was, that was probably the worst I ever got in a theater. <laughs> what about you, Ronald? Uh, probably Roman J. Israel. That's probably the last <laughs> movie that I saw where People were really into it around us, and for some reason, I was emotionally detached from all the scenes except for this one scene where he was he went into the he was applying for a job and he started crying. That's like the only scene that really got to me, but the rest of the movie was uh, pretty hard to watch. And I love Denzel, but I had a weird reaction to that. I was like making noises like people do in the theater. <laughs> I was like. Being really over the top, I couldn't, I couldn't control myself, man. It was a really hard to watch movie, so that's probably my last one that I reacted to. All right, the last of the Conti questions: If you were Samuel L. Jackson's agent, what advice would you give him? Uh, maybe uh, mm. seek outside advice. Maybe I don't know. Uh, do shaft too. That's probably my. My advice to him. Isn't that happening? Yeah. He's going to be in it? Well, it's like a, I think it's a reboot, isn't it? It's like a generational thing, though. I feel like all, yeah. I think that he and Richard Roundtree and the new person are all going to oh. be in it. I don't know. I saw a photo of them standing together, but I don't know if, if it's just cameos from, from the old guys or what. But, right. So, yeah, you might get your dream. Oh, wow. Dream so of, uh, I did not know shaft. that. <laughs> I would just that say, was... like, go back in time and turn down some of those scripts uh, that that made us think of you as as a guy who'll take anything, you know, that, that's and what maybe I'm, don't yeah. do the credit card commercials or whatever. Yeah. Just calm yes. down a little bit. Yes. That's kind of what I meant, too. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that was unclear, but like, get somebody else's opinion when you're making these decisions, because I just feel like you're you're saying yes to most things and. In, in a in a in a timeline maybe in the near future like you kind of might become like Nick Cage or something where like everything you do is like direct to video and you aren't no longer in Marvel movies so you know like your bankability might be in question so um I don't know I like I like Sam Jackson I think he's exciting and uh I'd like to see him get back to some more uh I don't know. I feel like I, I, I try to hesitate saying like more challenging roles, but like 
you know, I, I just fear that he's going down that road, almost like a, a mix of like the Nick Cage where like you say yes to everything, but then like you just are yourself in movies and then you become like sort of like this maybe little more enthusiastic version of what Bruce Willis is now um, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. I just don't want You're that right, for right, him. Right. So think about things maybe. No, I, w- I was thinking of Bruce Willis too in terms of how bored he seems with his own career and yeah. most movies that he's in. And yeah. yeah, you don't want Samuel L. Jackson, who is this kind of electrifying performer when he's yeah. when he's really good. Yeah. You don't want him to become that, for sure. And you don't want him to be a joke. Like, I mean, as much as we all love Nicolas Cage, we also see how he sort of, you know, went off went off the rails in a spectacular fashion at some point in his career. And it's why we love him. But we don't see him as a guy with discerning taste when it comes to selecting a script. So For sure. All right, well, we're going to move on to a new section. This is kind of like a pairing off of two people who ask such similar questions that are slightly different that I thought I'd kind of pair them. So this this is this is uh, Aaron Oliver and Tim Eller both asked these questions. And I'm gonna, you'll, you'll hear the slight differences. But Aaron said, name a movie that may be considered embarrassing that you absolutely love. And Tim Eller asked, what are some of your guilty pleasure movies? So very similar questions. Um, I guess I would also open up the question of just what do you think of that notion of guilty pleasure movies or of being embarrassed by anything that you love? Mm-hmm. When I saw this question, I went and looked at all my DVDs and Blu-rays and I was, I was, you know, there's a lot of stuff that is maybe indefensible or that a lot of people think is schlocky, but there's really nothing that I feel particularly embarrassed to say that I like. I've never been, I've never had hangups about genres uh, or anything, you know, so yeah. I guess I'm a little embarrassed that there are still some Woody Allen movies that I love too much to say that that he, they're trash because because of him. <laughs> like a lot of his recent <laughs> output, it's easy to, to say, I, I'm done with him, you know, but there's a few of his movies that will always be in the pantheon for me, and I don't know what that says when you're kind of making a decision about the art versus the artist. So I feel a little guilty about that, even though that's not the traditional way people people mean that phrase, guilty pleasure. But like Broadway Danny Rose, I couldn't kill that movie if I tried. That's that's one of my favorite movies, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it's problematic as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of feel like, I definitely agree with you in that. Like I, I don't really feel like, I mean, I may use that term sometimes, but it's more of a projection on what I think most people think about the movie. Um, not that I so much feel guilty for enjoying uh you know, like whatever that movie is. Um, but man, I'm trying to think of like a recent one that I kind of see that falls in that category. Ron, you got anything? I'm trying to think. Um, hmm, good question. So I like kind of slapsticky stuff on occasion. So I'd say that a movie that I guess is universally accepted as a pretty terrible movie that I enjoyed was uh, Movie 43, which was like kind of like a, a bunch of stars and a bunch of little mini, mini stories, vignettes um, that had a ton of stars in it that I thought was really funny, actually. But it's it's like sub-level rated on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it might be like in the 20s on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Yeah, I think I know. I, I think I remember that one. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie. I was gonna say, I, I think one that comes to mind only because, like, in the in the landscape that we're in now, with where uh, movie studios are basically mainly concerned with just franchises, intellectual property, pre-existing things. 
One that always stood out to me, like from when I was younger, was that I, I feel like they're going to be rebooting if they're not already doing it. Was the um, 1987 version of Masters of the Universe? That, that that's a pretty big one that I feel like was, has become one of those like movies that are like so bad it's good kind of things. But um, I just remember like you know as a kid or early teenager like just really being into that movie and. Uh, I feel like I still am, and I, I've, I've watched it recently, actually, because it was featured, or they talked about it on another podcast that I listened to um, that basically talks about films like this, and uh, just kind of going through that movie, I rewatched it, and I still I still enjoy that movie. Like Dolph Lundgren, <laughs> Courtney Cox, um, they just didn't know what to do with the property. Um, the funny thing I remember about that movie was just like, the He-Man toy line that I was obsessed with looking forward to the movie version of it to come out and then the, most of the movie takes place on earth was like a really weird that's the only really weird thing i remember and uh that was just really odd to me um at that time that that's like the standout thing that i remember thinking about like why is this not happening where all my toys take place and you know it's like happening on earth but um i don't know for some reason that's just the one that popped in my mind because i feel like that's like prime for remaking and it's you know like one of those 80s properties that i'm sure is currently in development and uh probably coming back on the screen to a theater near you i feel like that's one that has had lots of different people attached to it uh, that you hear about from time to time you know mm -hmm. i did want to mention mm -hmm. since we're talking about this is not quite so bad it's good you kind of mentioned so bad it's good but anybody listening to the show now who's maybe a recent uh listener we did an episode i just looked it up it's episode 75 uh, so bad it's good where we talked about that that notion of what it means for a movie to be super watchable because of problems that it has um right and uh yeah and i think we had some odd choices and i don't think i would say my choices in that episode were guilty pleasures they were more like movies that are truly awful that are somehow watchable but obviously that's in the eye of the beholder whether a movie could be awful or not Right. So I guess we'll move on to the next question. Aaron asked, what movie could you watch all the time? And Tim Eller said, what movie do you watch as a sort of comfort food? Um, and I think that's, you know, I can think of so many movies that I've watched over and over because of how watchable they are and just how easy to to get into they are. But, I, you know, I think that changes with different eras of my life, maybe. But but it's easy to think of a few. What are some movies that mm -hmm. you, you've had in that, that, that zone of just you could put it on and, and you could, you know, you don't have to pay attention to it, but you kind of are communing with it anyway? I mean, honestly, like, I feel like any any of, like, the Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, or Halloween, like, the franchise films, like, any of them really are, like, movies that, like, I'll put on to, like, when I go to bed, just, like, to watch before I fall asleep, and, or if it's just, like, a random day and I'm just, like, laying down watching TV, like, those are, those kinds of films, like, those, those franchise horror films. I find myself like throwing one because they're such an easy watch and I've seen them so many times that I don't really have to pay attention to really enjoy it and you know but it's still a good watch in my eyes <clears throat> so I would probably pick you know that's not a movie but like just that group of like those 80s slasher flicks and even you know the original Halloween especially but some of the ones even when they you know they get deeper into the franchises how they kind of get to circle back to like some of them are so bad they're kind of good um but that would probably be my go-to and 
one of my favorite things to throw on, just like those those slasher flicks. I want to just throw out there one of the first movies I thought of when I when I when I saw this question was Black Christmas. It's a movie that I, yeah I almost feel like. Oh, does anyone want to watch Black Christmas? Would yeah. anyone be in the mood to put that on? And I mean, you know, have it on and pay a little bit of attention to it, but also kind of react to it. And, and it's it's a fun movie to have on. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Um, I'd I'd say Terminator Two. Um, yeah, I can watch that choice. forever. Uh, the Last Dragon, uh, Goonies, Back to the Future Two. And uh, super random, uh, the movie ATL starring T.I., coming of age story, is one of my favorite <laughs> films of all time. I've watched it over 20 times, and it's directed by Baltimore native Chris- Christopher Robinson. So I'm, I'm, I'm all into that. So. Are any of the movies you guys are mentioning the movies you've watched the most, would you say, at this point? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Pee-wee's Big Adventure is one that I I have just put on when I felt like having a movie on. Terminator and Two and ATL I've watched a ton of times. So, and The Last Dragon. Well, The Neverending Story too. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, that was a lot of the ones Rana was just mentioning. Like, I feel like could probably be some of the movies I've watched yeah. the most. But, I mean, the, the the ones that I mean the horror ones that I mentioned like. They've got to be in that list somewhere. I mean, uh, if there was only a way to track the the, the, the play counts that we've had, but um, <clears throat> like specifically, like in the Halloween series, like uh, uh, you know, one of the sequels, it was uh, I think it's like Halloween Four, the Return of Michael Myers. For some reason, always I've always loved that one, and I always watched that Me too, one. Steve. And Friday the Thirteenth Six, Jason Lives, and. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Like, those are my three go-to horror franchise films like that I watch over and over again. So those three would probably be among the most the movies I've watched the most in my entire oh, life. I would have to throw Evil Dead 2 on that pile of movies that I've just I've just watched the most, you know, that, that I suppose I would say, yeah. I'm, I wonder if I've kind of done my time with that movie, but it still would have that allure to me. Well, let's uh, move on to this next question that again is one where Aaron and Tim asked a very similar question. She asked, name a movie that you refuse to watch ever again. And then Tim asked, mm. what movie do you refuse to watch ever? Purely out of spite. He says his is across the universe. And then he adds, I think in a tribute to Ronald, fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah what's a movie that you refuse to watch ever again and what's a movie you refuse to watch period I, I think uh i'll just jump up real quick and say i will never watch only god forgives again <laughs> is that the right and, and and i will i will never watch for the first time uh neon demon mm. just just to kind of give a twofer for uh same filmmaker gotcha I think I I will probably say that a movie that I probably will never see um, is, jeez, what is the name of it? It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, the movie Bad Moms. I'll probably never see that in my life. Uh, a movie that I'll never see again. Roman J. Israel again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to either guess that or Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, as far as movies that I would never watch out of spite, I had eight of those, 
and they were called the Fast and the Furious movies, and I watched all of them for this show. <laughs> so um, I don't think I'll need to watch any Kevin Smith films ever again. But I say all that with due respect for the fact that the guy just has gone through a tough time. He had a, a massive heart attack, I think, before a performance he was set to give. And um, there's been a lot of outpouring on social media, a lot of people, you know, being very warm towards him. And I thought what he wrote about the experience was was pretty thoughtful and interesting. And and I did feel like a bit of a heel. I was thinking, OK, shit. Now, at least for a little while, can't talk smack about about Kevin Smith. But I don't think I would ever need to watch any of his his movies a second time that I've seen. Yeah. I don't know that there's anything I would just say out of out of hand. I wouldn't watch. You know, it's kind of like not feeling guilty about anything. I'm sort of. If if something if people say you should watch this, I think I would watch it, you know. But he might be right about Across the Universe. I don't know. I didn't see that. How did you guys feel about that? I liked Across the Universe. I fucking love that movie. Me too. I bought I bought a, f- a copy of it on iTunes just so I could have it permanently <laughs> on my account. Look at yeah, you, yeah, man. I, I yeah. purchased that shit. <laughs> what, why? What? What's the hate for that movie, John? I mean, like, what's? I don't get it. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen it. <clears throat> Why haven't you seen it? Uh, spite? I don't know. I... <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Steve? Now I'm not going to watch it out of spite. There you go. We got your answer. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, Kevin <clears throat> Perkins asked, if a person hasn't seen Black Panther yet, does that make them a racist or just kind of a racist? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Only kind of. Rick Knight also jumped on there to suggest that being a misanthrope is also an option, that he doesn't go to movies in the theater because he doesn't like being around other moviegoers. Uh, if you want to see it at, if you want to yeah. see it at home, I mean, I get, I get why somebody maybe wouldn't want to have the theater experience and maybe want to, would want to wait a month or two before it comes out on video on demand and stuff like that. So I, I get that. I get not wanting to necessarily have like the, the theater experience. Um, right, and you know some there 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 are a population of people that just don't like comic book movies. On top of that, so there's there's there are those people. So I mean, that's those are the two reasons I can think of. Yeah, I think when we talked about Black Panther before, uh, <clears throat> Matt Pye, uh, a friend of ours, said. You know, I, actually, I, I didn't want to see Black Panther because I just don't like superhero movies. I haven't enjoyed any of the Marvel movies, so I didn't go see it. And I was like, oh, well, of course, we obviously know that there's a lot of reasons why people don't like certain genres or just something's not someone's cup of tea. But if you were the type of person who normally would go see that type of movie and then suddenly you had all these problems with Black Panther. Right, right. Just kind of a quick thought. Uh, Darren Griffin asks about Donnie Darko <laughs> as, as one of the best films of the 2000s. How do you feel about that statement? I agree with that. Yeah, I mean it's it's in the conversation. I don't I don't know how far up the list it would be for me, but it's definitely in the conversation. It stands out for sure. Is is the reason why it's only in the conversation for you, Steve, because of does it have anything to do with Richard Kelly's career post Donnie Darko? <laughs> That's fair. Um I don't I don't know that that really factors too much into it for me. I mean, like I I only say it's in the conversation because I don't know, I part Admittedly, I, I, I really am <clears throat> hesitant to say that it would be like the best one for me because I I'm, need to like think about the other ones that I would compare it against. But I mean, it's a great film. I mean, I, I don't I don't dock it f- for the unfulfilled promise of Richard Kelly's career or you know anything else. Um, especially because I absolutely love Jake Gyllenhaal. So I mean, that's even more reason for me to love it. But. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, it's definitely in the conversation. I don't know that I can say it's the best film, but it's up there. It had an impact that went beyond the film itself, for sure. I just remember that name came up, and it kind of became a, I don't know, a meme before we had memes. Something, you know, the way that movie unfolded and the way it kind of turned it out to be something different than it appears in the beginning. I think nowadays you see a lot more yeah. movies that sort of mix genres in that way. So maybe it was influential. Oh, for sure, yeah. All right, well, here's a question that I think is kind of interesting. We've touched on this. Richard Kane says, what is your opinion on physical media? Uh, do all of you collect movies, Blu-rays, 4Ks, uh, etc.? I'm all for it. I mean, I, I, I do find myself still purchasing certain films. I mean, I definitely don't collect <clears throat> like I used to. Um, I mean, I used to, I mean, I still have the collection. I haven't sold any of it, but I mean, I have a pretty massive like DVD, VHS, and some Blu-rays. Like, I think at the turn of the Blu-ray is kind of when I kind of fell out of it. But um, <clears throat> I do find myself buying certain things still, like certain filmmakers' discs or Criterion discs or maybe some Disney discs. Like, I definitely collect some of that stuff still, but I would not I would not categorize myself as a collector of physical media um, as it pertains to movies anymore. Yeah, I'm not I'm not against it, but I, I, I'm the same way. Just because of space, um, I'm, I'm a big digital collector um and i'm actually starting to buy more as the as the 4k thing is becoming a bigger deal and and it's supported on a wider scale i'm purchasing digitally a lot more than i ever thought that i would um so yeah i i i don't collect but i i'm very pro collecting so mm-hmm i would i would hesitate to call what i do collecting as well i just kind of buy sporadic purchases depending on you know different factors certain things i just want to have them because right. i love them and that's that's kind of rare because you feel like everything is so accessible that even if you don't own a copy and then occasionally we will buy blu-rays of films that we think are rewatchable or you know the types of movies we just mentioned the kind of movie that you could imagine just wanting to throw on right. all right well here's another question becca eaton asks what movie would you like to live inside of meaning the general world it creates and the characters there for me, it's Ready Player One. If we're talking about something current, um, I think that's a really cool concept. Just kind of living in this virtual world where you could express yourself through all this stuff. And the future seems pretty promising, although it's kind of bleak in that movie. Um, Ready Player One, I'd probably say. Well, when I think about this, I think about how many movies have, have things I would love to see and things I would love to be able to do, but that I would be very afraid if I lived in that world. Like, <laughs> I, would I would love to be in a spaceship flying around in the Star Wars universe, but then I think, well, would I be in Imperial occupied space and would I have to show certain papers to pass through and would I be enslaved and sent to some mining planet? You know, so I, I think it all sounds very risky and... Um, and then I think about how when the Lord of the Rings movies came out, how some of those places I really wanted to go to and step into that world. And that's actually, you can do that. You can go to New Zealand. So you don't really need to fantasize about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I actually thought of a movie where I've always just kind of wanted to live in this world, even though it's kind of an odd world. But um, due to the set design and production design, the world, I, I love little microcosms. And I love when movies are constructed with a concept of a set that just feels like a place where you'd like to go and play around and explore. And there's a lot of movies that have that. But the one that really sticks out to me is Rear Window, where you've got the 
the little apartment and the view out on the courtyard and all the other apartments that you see. And there's such a variety of different style of apartments. And even though murder is what the story is about, I've always thought, oh, I would like to live in that little garret or I would like to live in that little apartment. Uh, so I think the world of rear window, if I could just have, if I could just have the memory of maybe having a year of my life spent living on that courtyard and, and being part of that little that little world where it's a you know a little bit of a microcosm where you look out and you can kind of see, you know, you'd have to be a creepy eavesdropper like uh, like Jimmy Stewart was in that movie. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that that movie. I've always wanted to step into that set. You know what I'm saying? And and walk around and explore it. And 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 it feels so lived in and livable. But it also has this perfectly constructed aspect to it that it, it is very uh, you know a dollhouse kind of movie. Ah, oh, boy, 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 boy. My 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 first my first thought is to say a movie a recent movie like and I think it's just the nostalgia of it is like any of these movies that have like these kids on bikes worlds like that that happen still um, like immediately I just think of it the recent version mm. of it <clears throat> excuse me and uh, and I think that would satisfy my want to be stuck in the middle of a horror film as well so maybe I'll go. And live in in Derry, uh, you know, in what is it? It's in the eighties, early nineties, and what is it in the early nineties or late eighties? Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll maybe I'll do that because I mean I love the idea of like a small town where most people know people. I love the idea of a possible killer on the loose. And um, maybe we're finding out <laughs> we're solving this case, <laughs> and there's a good chance that some of my friends might die. But we're gonna stick together and try <laughs> to figure it out. And uh, we get to go jumping off the rocks and swimming in the little uh, quarry. Like that. That just sounds fun to me. So I'll go. I'll go to. I'll go to uh, 2017's it. <laughs> She asked another question that I think is really interesting, and it's kind of a quick one. Uh, uh, she says, I can't remember if you've covered this, but are there any movies you've walked out of? Man. And I can say no. I've never walked out of a movie. I've thought about it. If, if I've ever walked out of a movie, it may have been some festival screening where I realized I had to go in order to make some other movie or something. But I don't think I've, you know, I just typically don't do it. I typically don't go see a movie... I can't, I mean, unless, unless I was movie hopping, you know, which, which I did a couple times in my life. So it's possible I did that, but I don't remember ever getting up and walking out of a movie that I was, that I was watching, even if I was hating it, you know? Ah. I walked out of Zoolander and Freddy Got Fingered. Zoolander, I regret walking out of, wow. but Zoolander kind of hit me weird. I was, I wasn't kind of in the mood to watch it. Um, and then I saw it again, and I saw it again <laughs> once it came on uh, DVD, and I, I loved it. But uh, Freddie got fingered. I do not regret walking out on that one. <laughs> it's got moments. <laughs> Daddy, would you like some sausage? Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, no, nah, I mean, as boring as the answer is, I, I don't. I don't think I've ever walked out of a movie in a theater before. And yeah, I don't. I don't know. I feel like just because I'm so. I'm stubborn enough that if I paid for it, I probably don't want to waste my money by walking out of it. But it's an interesting thought. Like the reasons you haven't walked out, you know, I think I think I'm kind of in the same in the same boat, Steve. That I just for whatever reason, if I can sit there and hate a movie and totally turn on the movie in my mind, but never feel like I'm ready to pull the ripcord on the experience. 
Now we're going to hit what I guess we can call the Bob Rose power round. There's some there's some good thought-provoking questions, but maybe these are some questions we can get through uh, pretty quickly to bring us in towards the end of the episode here. Um, Bob Rose asks, if you were in an alive situation with your co-host, like a plane crash in the Andes type situation, and we're, we're trapped, who would you rather eat? <laughs> That's a weird question. Oh, man, uh, this is going to be a fun round. Bob's questions really seem designed to sort of conquer us uh, by dividing us and getting us to turn on uh, each other. And I want you to know yeah. so a lesson I learned from every issue of the X-Men in the 80s, that that's what they want us to do is to turn on each other. We've got to work as a team. Yes. Our famed chemistry as podcast co-hosts, it'll truly be tested and uh, we will galvanize it if we pass uh, this test. So mm. who would you rather eat? I guess you're also sort of saying who you would rather be dead when the crash right, happens. That's a terrible thing. I don't know. What that's a we have to pick somebody, right? Uh, um, oh man, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what I would do, guys. I would wait till you were asleep, and I would close my eyes. And I would spin around a few times, so and then I wouldn't know who I was bludgeoning to death with the rock. Yeah. That's a good plan. Uh. And the other guy would wake up saying, what the hell are you doing? And I would say, look, I know this is horrible, but look what I just did for us. Yep. And there would probably be this tacit agreement that we wouldn't speak of it ever again. Uh. We might even stop using our names at that point, so neither one of us had to confront who was missing. You know, It would, be- it would become... <laughs> become a mind warp. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for oh, that one, man. man. I, I <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, I think, I feel like, if we were in an alive situation, I don't know who would go first, but I know Ronald has the most like strict diet, mm-hmm. so he might get the sickest first, or he might, he might not uh, yeah, make it because he he has to eat very <laughs> specific things. Mm-hmm. So, um. But don't you think his Just strict diet also makes him perhaps more, I don't know, in tune with his body, and therefore maybe he's maybe in a weird way he takes better care of himself, and so he would get out in that situation and he wouldn't suffer as much. I don't know. What are we doing in this plane over the Andes anyway? So I, I'm, I'm going to go with Ronald, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, you'd rather eat Ronald. I'll eat whoever dies in my uh, midnight murder game. <laughs> Well, here's a question that's just as divisive, perhaps, but I don't know that I have a strong opinion on it because I, I haven't seen okay. one of these films. Uh, Mary Fuck Kill, uh, uh, The Haunted Mansion, Meet Dave, and Norbit. Ooh. Uh, so, what, what was the second one? Uh, Meet Dave. The Haunted Mansion, Meet Dave, and Norbit. Oh, boy. Um... These are such great choices. <laughs> um, Jesus. I'd fuck meet Dave, marry Haunted Mansion, and kill Norbit. Okay. I'm going to say the same thing. I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm going to just say you guys sound like you know what you're talking about because I haven't really seen... I've seen some of Norbit, and I think I've seen some of Meet Dave, mm-hmm. so I haven't really seen... I can't really speak on that one, but I, th- I think it is an interesting devil's bargain there to have to decide. But so, what what came out on top in that one? Uh, Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion. 
All right. <laughs> well, that that's at least what we're marrying. I guess yes. if, that's, if that's on top. I always feel like that's on top because that's that's longevity. You're spending you're spending your life. Yeah, with right. it, you know? yeah sure. <clears throat> or maybe you guys don't <clears throat> respect marriage like I do. I just want to go on the record as <laughs> really respecting institution of marriage. Um, <laughs> God, there's no doubt that it's actually God comes to you and says you must get a tattoo of the DVD box art of Simon Birch on your chest as big as possible, or he will make two fingers of everyone you love and hold dear fall off. Do you get the tattoo? Absolutely. Yes. And then I get a Thora Birch tattoo. I was thinking, does everyone really need ten fingers? That's not for you to decide, John. It's not for you to decide. (laughs) Okay, I'll take the tattoo. I've just always held out on the notion of getting a tattoo, and I've always said the reason I don't have one is because I've never decided what that perfect tattoo would be. I would hate to think that this is actually like a fate worse than death for me to have a, a subpar, bizarre tattoo that I can't even explain. Although if I say, every time someone asks about the tattoo, I could say I'm kind of a hero. Exactly. Yeah. Best story ever. It's, it's a pretty good story. Wait, who's making... Oh, God. Sounds yep, like God. Yep. It's just like the sort of thing God would do. Classic um, God move. So we're all getting the tattoo. Yep. Okay, Ronald, mm-hmm. you're the mom at the end of The Good Son. <laughs> you're at the edge of a cliff, holding John by one hand and Steve by the other. You're all that's keeping them from falling. You can't pull them both up. Which co-host is Elijah Wood and which is Macaulay Culkin? Who is The Good Son, Ronald? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Um, hmm. So I know why he asked this question. He knows how I feel about questions like this and how I'm so opposed to them because I'm a I'm a fairly positive person. <laughs> um, hmm. Oh man, that's a that's a rough one. I I would who would be Elijah Wood? Um. Um, Steve, Steve has beautiful eyes like Elijah Wood. So Steve would be Elijah Wood and and John would be Macaulay Culkin. So you're dropping me. Ronald, I just want you to, I I want you to know I love you, Ronald. (laughs) I want you to know that a lot of people, Ronald, like my eyes. So you can go fuck yourself. (laughs) Nothing against your eyes, John. (laughs) No one wants to eat me or save me, so I'm just I'm just this guy. <laughs> I don't feel so bad about my murder plan anymore. Um, yeah, there you go. I imagine a book with murder plan written <laughs> on the front of it. <laughs> oh, I'm starting it tonight. <laughs> I'll be scrawling that on the front of one of my notebooks tonight. Um, All right, uh, so Dak Huntley says that last year he said Dunkirk was a perfect movie because of everything it achieved in its small runtime. He says, I throw around the perfect movie title from time to time, and I want to know, do you guys have any movies that you think are perfect? He says, I know perfection is a little hyperbolic, but with what the movie is trying to do and in the perspective of the audience it is aiming for, can you think of any perfect movies? I already said Rear Window, but Rear Window is pretty perfect. Toy Story is pretty perfect. Toy Story is pretty perfect. Raiders of the Lost Ark is pretty perfect. Yeah, Raiders is a great choice. So is Toy Story. Uh, oh, man. I really like Aladdin. 
Um, oh, <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. I fucking think that Inglorious Bastards is such a great movie. And 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 I think that it's it's written in a way that the first scene is so good and so defining of the character and, and what's going on in the situation. I think it's like one of the better movies that's been written that I've seen. I'd say in, in, in Glorious Bastards. And Malcolm X. When you said the question, the first one of the first movies that came in my mind was Fight Club. Oh. Um that's a good one. I, I feel like I feel like that movie is is got a is probably on my list of perfect or near perfect movies. <clears throat> and um, even though I I don't know if I like Fight Club more than I like Seven of the, the 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 Brad Pitt David Fincher collabs, um, but Fight Club I don't know Fight Club just got something special uh, on it and. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's that, that was like one of the first ones that popped in my mind. I also think about um, oh, what is it? Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Ooh, yeah, that's a really good. I one. think I think that movie's pretty perfect um, from beginning to end. I really struggle to find many any problems with that. That that's always been one I've I've heard people call that. You know, I've I've heard some people who have said that before on some shows I listen to or lists I've seen, and that's always been one that's, I mean, just an, an amazing movie. But uh, just performance wise, story wise, everything just it just works so well. But I don't know; those two were the first two that came to mind: Fight Club and Eternal Sunshine. And you mentioned earlier the original Halloween. That's one that I might say is is perfect sure, in sure. its way. The other one that comes up a lot, like when I think about this, is I mean, of all the nostalgia films and like the '80s movies um, that I may like as much or more than this movie, but I really do think Back to the Future is a perfect movie. Yeah. I mean, it's really it's really challenging to, to tear that movie down um, in any way, uh, but. And and what's funny, you know, like all the conversations about like time travel movies and things like that. I think it's got one of the tightest stories around time time travel in terms of the the screenplay for that film. Um, but I don't know. I think Back to the Future is pretty perfect, also. I think that that is in that camp with Raiders, as far as just these movies yeah. were made for yeah. mass audiences. They were made, and that you know, people working at the height of their powers. Um, with you know appropriate sized budgets, and and ideas that were fresh enough and original enough that they still feel pretty fresh nowadays. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll close it up with one kind of interesting loaded question um, <laughs> that uh, I think we could probably have some quick reactions to. But Tim Eller, who like I said was kind of an all star, he sent us a bunch of questions. He says, uh, "What would be the best course of action for the DC extended universe as of right now?" Uh, to salvage what they have, scrap everything and start over. Why? Mm. I guess salvaging what they have would include some uh, some idea of what they have. Uh, I think we can point to the ones, you know, maybe the few characters that are working, but there's little about that franchise that isn't tainted by the kind of stink of of failure, even though they've made money. It's an interesting failure, you know? Yeah, it's like f failing up. You know, like, it's it's a very strange thing. Um, I think that the, the the issue is that 
the characters that they've casted, the, the the actors and actresses that they've casted up until this point are solid. It's just a matter of story, and um, I'd like to believe that, you know, with the retooling that they're doing, um, that something comes out of it. Because the, the, the thing is right now, and, and this is one of those things that it, right now in the moment, it seems like Marvel has this immense dominance over things. And that's, it's true. But you don't know that something is broken until something better comes out, right? Or that something could be improved upon until something better comes out. So while this whole Marvel thing is lasting, it's great. I love it. It'd be nice to get some counterculture. And I think that DC, if they do it right, it's it's not a matter of making a whole world that sweeps the Marvel Universe under the rug. It's, that's not what it's about. It's just about making a good enough story that it's compelling enough that, that it'll bring people to the theaters. Like, like uh, Wonder Woman. So the key is isolating these stories, making them good, pumping them out, and not necessarily going for the whole world of DC to conquer the world of Marvel. So... It's like they've overcomplicated that simple process. What do you think, Steve? Do you think they should isolate it and make it good and pump it out? Or do you think they should um, like put on the brakes and start over? I don't know. I, I really feel like... I really feel like they may need to start over. I, I mean, outside of the importance and, and how you know well-received Wonder Woman was... I just feel like so much has gone wrong with these major, major comic characters that I don't, I don't know how they write the ship. I mean, I think one of the big problems is I feel like DC Warner Brothers doesn't have the right team in place to focus on the production of these films only. Um, like, I feel like if they had a thing where Marvel Films has their own thing, like if they had a DC Films and let them develop the movies separately from like the, the the parent studio really being involved as much because it seems like that's where a lot of these like these appointed liaisons between the comic and the studio like it just seems that there's so many voices at play i don't know how that gets corrected if they continue um with it as it is but i mean i, I don't know i mean i don't know how they stop what they have going i mean like aquaman is happening uh it's been test screened already like Wonder Woman 2 begins production in like a month or two, like Flashpoint hired directors. And, you know, it's it's just there's just a lot already going that doesn't seem like they're going to stop it. But I just don't know how you can continue this EU with, you know, arguably the two, two of the biggest comic characters in a floundering franchise like Superman and Batman have being as heavily criticized as they've been in these films. Um I don't know. It's it's a, it's a good question, and I don't. I really don't know the answer. I mean, my gut says like I feel like you need to try again, like start over or or, or let these play out and, and and what you've done, like let Aquaman and Flashpoint and Wonder Woman come out, and like figure out a way to maybe relaunch the stuff, like see what Matt Reeves can do with the Batman. Maybe have a separate Batman franchise that's not a part of this 
bigger thing and, and, and then maybe fold them back together somehow. Well, that's what I was thinking. If Matt Reeves has a true angle on Batman, a good Batman movie period is, is, is always something I'd be open to. Yeah. And the fact that they're talking about Jake Gyllenhaal perhaps stepping into the role, that sounds good to me. Matt Reeves is a director who I like and who I trust with this kind of genre material. He sounds like he has an idea. All that sounds good to me. Yeah, if that movie was good, then then it wouldn't be that bad to suddenly have Gal Gadot showing up as Wonder Woman, like in a sequel or something. I guess what I'm saying is they can they can transplant what we like about her in that role into a good a good universe without necessarily having to make an official statement that they're killing the universe or not. You know, they can, they don't have to point out how it all adds up. Even the Marvel universe, which is famous for its continuity um, or how much the continuity drives it, you know, they have some fishy timeline stuff where they've said, Oh, at some point we'll show you a timeline of where all the movies are happening so that it makes sense to you. But I think there are certain things that they've, that they've built in that are, I think they have a couple of uh, bits of explaining to do. Um, that so I, I don't know I guess what I'm saying is I don't think you can create the perfect hermetically sealed universe all you have to do is sort of pay honor to what came before and make it work and I think they can do that without being stuck with any of the things that aren't working uh, but like Batman in particular is a role I see going through a transformation I don't see Ben Affleck suddenly you know changing his tune and turning out to really be enjoying this great experience and everything um so supposedly flashpoint is his last one right and that movie sounds like it's an opportunity to do kind of a soft reboot of the franchise so yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of sneakily move away from what's not working into what's working but you're right that they're kind of chained to these movies that are coming out have we heard anything about how the aquaman screening went is is it supposedly getting positive reactions yeah, there's a there's a podcast I listen to that's a lot of insider people. Um, they have guests on there. It's called uh, Meet the Movie Press. But um, somebody was on there talking about a that they, uh, an Aquaman test screening and that I mean I don't know how much you can trust any of this feedback, but you know that it that it went really well and that it was way heavy on like uh, a, a, they they were like calling it more like adventure ish kind of I, I feel like he even said like kind of like a, a an indiana jones vibe to it where it's kind of fun but a lots of action and um just i don't know just has that vibe to it but i don't know i'm sure a lot's gonna change and happen to it so i don't know how far you can take that but i mean it's something that's it's mostly done and and being test screened so i mean they're obviously trying to refine it as much as possible um to, to fix what they can if there's any issues. But, I mean, again, we've talked about this before. Like, I, I'm, I'm interested in Aquaman only because of James Wan. Yeah, like, me I, too. I don't really know that I'm interested in Aquaman because of anything that he's done in Justice League or, um, you know, that you've seen otherwise. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sold on the filmmaker that they're giving this project to. So, I mean, I hope it's good. I hope maybe it's a, it's a positive thing for them, but I feel like we keep saying that about most movies that they release. Well, I also was going to say that as you were describing the movie, Steve, it, you didn't make it sound that bad. You were talking about the adventure vibe, and I think James Wan is a good director for that sort of thing, and I th- could see him doing something kind of visually interesting. And Jason Momoa, I, even though Justice League made me less interested... <laughs> I still think he could be yeah. fun in that part. But when you were describing it, the lack of energy and enthusiasm in your voice was just telling me, we've had this conversation so many times before about these fucking DC movies. Uh, and, and there's just not yeah. much to be hopeful for. But I do 
I, I think James Wan doing an action adventure movie with a budget. I heard someone say Star Wars under the water or something that made me go, okay, I can see how that could be a lot of fun. So I'm trying to kind of keep my hopes up that that movie is going to be this great fun movie. But I don't think it means suddenly it's a course correction for the whole whole shebang because they still have to figure out their Superman, their Batman, their Flash, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I think I would say a little bit of both. I would say that they should try to you know, salvage and also like take th- take that advantage of the fact that you can come back a few years later with another movie and, and use the elements that work and get rid of the ones that don't. And no one's going to say, wait, where's Ben Affleck? Wait, where's... Although I'd like to see Henry Cavill continue. I don't know how, how married they are to that idea of Superman. I would like to see him get to be in a good Superman movie because I don't think he's the problem. <clears throat> but... Yeah, definitely. But that yeah, I don't I don't know. The DC stuff just I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out. Um so I'm 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 I am still slightly invested in, to see what's going to happen honestly. Well, they have a long gap from, you know, Justice League till till Aquaman. It's going to be the longest superhero gap for a <laughs> one of these companies. It's pretty much a year later. Um so it does yeah. give them time to mm figure out what the hell's going on everyone seems a little burnt out on this franchise yeah don't be hopeful just just be surprised if they come out yeah well i think that brings us to the end of our list of questions guys on a kind of down note i I should have known that ending on anything dceu related would would uh you know it would be like a balloon losing air (laughs) (laughs) but no i had a lot of fun that was that was a good round of questions cool man well yeah that was fun um What's coming up? We got plans for next episode. Give people a little tease. Are we going to do Schmovie Awards? Or are we going to do? Oh yes, do... next episode is going to be the the Shmovie Awards, Steve. So I would say that's quite mm, special. Mm, mm. That was episode two ten. Wow, it's crazy. I'm getting up there. The numbers, <laughs> Ronald. The numbers, Ronald. They just keep going up, man. I know. I know these numbers. <laughs> one, one after another. I know in increments of one. Cool, guys. Well, you can find a podcast on Apple Podcasts, really any platform you want. Um, It'd be awesome if you could share our podcast. If you see us on Facebook, if you're listening to this on YouTube or listening to this on um, whatever whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, streaming it through your Facebook feed, whatever it is, if you wouldn't mind hitting that share button um, in any of those apps, I'm sure there's a way for you to tell your friends uh, and and other possible fans of movies about this podcast would be really appreciated. And if any of those platforms have a review option or a star option or any kind of thing like that, a rating option, um, go ahead and leave us a rating. Let us know what you think. And uh, if you want to email us, we are at movieshmovie at gmail.com if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes or um, if there's anything that we should be on the lookout for that you want to make sure we discuss on the podcast, definitely let us know there. And we will try to get it on an upcoming episode. But otherwise, uh, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.